Presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And as always, we're taking all your thoughts, comments, questions, all of that on our Facebook page. If you're not already watching on there, head over to the Buccaneers Facebook page. Leave a comment underneath our live video of Buccaneers Insider Live. That's how we'll get a chance to answer all of your questions as we give people a chance to let that roll in. Oh, what were you going to say about maybe that? Be, maybe be gentle. Yeah, I mean, gentle. you know, let's, let's have some positivity <laughs> here on this day. No, we're excited to ask a... To, to get a chance to hear all of your questions and, and get a chance to answer those. So as they're starting to yeah, roll they're in, already coming in, they're already coming in a little bit. So as, <coughs> as we let people ask some of those, uh, for you hearing the news about releasing Chandler Catanzaro, signing a new kicker, uh, what do you know about Cairo Santos and, and what do you feel like this could do potentially moving forward? Yeah, he had some pretty good years in Kansas City. Um, I think his numbers uh, career-wise are pretty similar to what Chandler Catanzaro had coming into this season. So, you know, obviously the Buccaneers made a choice in this offseason and they could have signed Santos, but they thought Catanzaro was the right choice. And it was understandable based upon his record. And who knows why it it wasn't going as well as it should have for, for Chandler. And the way kickers go in this league, especially if they've established themselves for four or five years, they often get other chances. I mean, think of how many times Connor Barth kept coming back, right? So um, f hopefully for Chandler, who, who is um, very pleasant to work with, he will get another chance somewhere. So, um, you know, that part of it's always sad. Uh, Cairo Santos came in. He, he kicked two games for the Rams when Greg Zerline was hurt. He was five for six in both field goals and extra points. Five for six in field goals, is, you know, that's, you, you, you would take that. You'd prefer the extra points to be six for six. But nowadays, kickers do miss extra points from time to time. So um, there's reason to be to believe he will right the ship a little bit there. Uh, you know, and in any case, he's probably in a better mental place right now. You know, and you, can't, you just can't keep going on uh, if, you, if you've lost confidence in your kicker. I mean, you, at some point, you have to make a change if you don't have that confidence, and that, that, that must have been the breaking point there. And how much will that change things potentially if you start having, com you know, a better success rate at kicking? How much can that change in offense and, and your game plan and <coughs> what you're trying to do? Well, you could just reconstruct that last game and, and see how that would have changed things. He certainly the first missed field goal not only kept it be from being tied at halftime, but also probably had a little bit of a mental effect on the team, I would think. And as things snowballed in the red zone, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot in this show, um, those are the you know those are those are extra missed opportunities and, and it just adds to all the other problems you were having in the red zone um, you know if you get both of those kicks you're at nine points there at the end of the game and you it's a one position game where in this case it was a two position game and we were really as coach cutter said when he was explaining how he was calling plays he took over play calling I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well um, he said they were he was going for a more balanced uh, off approach in that game. He felt that's what they needed to do against Washington. Uh, there were more runs, there were more RPOs, he said. He called a number of those. But they had to get away from that at the end because you're down two scores and now you have to throw a lot more. So I think had you only been down one score, your play calling, your strategy, your approach to the game would have been different. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did have a question from Tracy asking uh, the odds of, of getting a, a win this weekend and what that's going to take. Well, I mean, it's a 3-6 and six team against a 2-7 and seven team, so uh, there's no reason to believe the Buccaneers should be considered massive underdogs. They obviously have an offense that can move the ball. And the Giants' defense is about 22nd in the league right now. That's worse than Washington, and we just put 500 yards up on Washington. You know, obviously that red zone performance, 0 for 5 and really 0 for 6 because Jacquez got to the 18 when he had the ball popped out for a fumble. So the next snap would have been in the red zone had that not happened. It didn't technically count as a red zone drive, but really 0 for 6 in the red zone. That's, 
it's terrible. It, the the Bucks deserve criticism for what happened in that game, but there's no reason to believe that could continue to happen. Their red zone uh, efficiency throughout the season was basically league average. It wasn't that wasn't a serious problem that the Bucks were having before that game. So there's certainly reason to believe if they can put up the same kind of yards and get in the red zone again, they're not gonna just so dramatically fail in the red zone again. And all, all you needed was a little bit better in that category, and you would have won that game. Yeah, it's pretty so, crazy. So, I mean, yeah, sure, there's definitely reason to be optimistic about winning this game. You know, the bigger picture and the one that the coaches and players won't look at yet is you really probably need to win at least six, if not seven, if you're going to hit that playoff goal. And that's not common. It, the, the last team to do so was Washington in 2012. They won their last seven, and, and they turned around their turnover ratio. And I looked at all the other uh, teams that have done that since 1990, and all of them improved their turnover ratio, some of them dramatically in the second half. And that's what the Buccaneers did in 2016 when they were much better in the second half and didn't make the playoffs. Everybody knows that's the issue. So it's easy to say the Bucks actually have to do it. Right. But if they can solve that one issue, they could start winning. Do, would I sit here in particular going to win seven in a row? No, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. It is helpful, I think, to realize that it really is one issue. I mean, I think that's got to be at least better than thinking that it's right. every facet of the right. game and you're like, well, man, now what? Like, it, I mean, it's so much easier said than done to fix any one issue in yeah. the NFL. No matter what your issue is, it's a whole lot easier to just be like, yeah. oh, well, let's just not do that anymore. <laughs> right. But yeah. it is I'm, nice that it's only one don't issue. Don't want to pick on the Raiders, but if you look at that team, they've got all kinds of that's problems. Right? And they, they have so many shortcomings right now that it's not realistic that they could turn around now you as a viewer have to decide if you think the Buccaneers chances of turning it around is, are realistic or not in my mind they are realistic because this turnover ratio I think it can be fixed I think it's to the point on defense now where it's just unbelievably bad luck I don't think you can go they've gone six games without a defensive turnover six in a row they've never even gone five in a row in franchise history and you can't tell me that this team is incapable of getting turnovers. Mm -hmm. it, some of it is just where it bounces. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it just at some point one's gonna bounce to you. Right. It's just it's gonna happen just by sheer luck, and I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. But I gotta believe it's gonna happen soon. Right. Uh, Marvin was asking if Todd Monken is going to be the play caller this week. Well, coach didn't say yet. He said uh, he'll let us all know when they've made that decision. Um, I would guess that having taken the play calling back, that Coach Cutter will stick with it for at least a while and see how things go. Uh, Chris asked how you think our veteran leadership has been handling uh, this losing streak a little bit and what you've seen uh, from how they've been trying to help things get turned around. Yeah, you know, you have the same sort of thing every week. You see those guys staying positive, saying the right things, and then you lose, and in the locker room everybody is frustrated, and as you'd expect, and, and a little demoralized. But I think by the middle of the next week, they're back into a, as positive a mindset as they can get. I think we have strong leadership on this team. It, it doesn't hurt that Quan Alexander isn't out there on the field, of course, because he's one of your best emotional leaders. And a captain. Yeah, and a captain. Yeah. But, um, you know, guys like JPP continue to say, you know, hey, this is our job. This is what we're paid to do. We're going to go out there and give it our best effort possible. Mm -hmm. You can see guys like that. A guy like JPP who plays hard on every snap and plays as many snaps as they'll let him leads by example. Yeah, JPP really to me has been – infinitely more than we even expected right. and, and could have asked for coming in, not only on the field, but off. I've been very impressed with him. And now he gets him. to play the Giants. Oh, that's going to be fun. Two sacks for him would be nice. Uh, Eli Manning has... Someone tells me he'll be motivated. Yeah, he'll be motivated. And, and Eli isn't exactly the most mobile quarterback in the league right now. I, he actually, I think, only got sacked once yesterday, but he's had some other games where he's gone down a lot. And, 
you know, he JPP's at eight, and we haven't had a guy get to ten since Simeon in two thousand five. It would be it's pretty cool be if it happened in New York. That would be great. Uh, Carmen Jersey. and I we haven't actually talked about this yet, but Carmen asked if Fitzpatrick. Is this Carmen Vitale? It's, it's not. It is a different Carmen. Okay. Uh, asking if Fitzpatrick is going to continue as the quarterback, and Carmen didn't ask with a specific time frame, yeah. so I don't know if they were asking specifically about this week or the season overall, but yeah. I guess we can let you just address both of those. Yeah, so um, I don't know if there was probably some people that were surprised when Coach Cutter came out yesterday and said that the Bucks were sticking with Fitzpatrick. I know there's a line of thinking out there that, um, okay, you made the switch to Ryan. However you think he, well you think he played, the Bucks have lost his two starts since that happened, and at three and six, the playoffs are a pretty difficult proposition from here. Would it make sense to use that time to give more playing time to Jameis Winston. And even Coach said he understands that line of reasoning. But at the moment, the Buccaneers are still making their decisions based on the belief that they can turn this around. And Coach said he thinks, at least for this week, Ryan gives us the best chance to win. Um, both guys have had turnover problems, but I think that Jameis's were a little more pronounced. So if you're saying your number one thing you got to resolve is the turnover problem, then I don't think – I think that's probably one of the motivations not to make the switch back. Not to say that Jameis can't overcome his turnover problems, but you don't want to find out right that he's not going to do so right now when that's your main thing. I think they probably believe both guys can move the team. Both guys have created turnovers, but their best chance of having a cleaner game is right now is with Ryan. Okay. And that, that could that could continue for another month. It could continue the rest of the season, or it could switch in, in a week. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Robert asked if you think it would make sense to go after Le'Veon Bell in the offseason and that way focus more on defense in the draft. Well, focusing on the defense in the draft is a very good idea to start with. The only place that I think you're probably um, – you know, I would consider maybe getting an interior lineman on, on the offensive line, um, but – Chances are you can get that in a, in a later round. Um, yeah, obviously this team needs more help on defense. That's pretty clear. Uh, whether you go after Levy, and that's true whether or not you go after Levy on Bell. And I think the Buccaneers are probably higher on Peyton Barber than some people would think. I th think he's been running pretty well lately. Uh, kind of got taken out of the game plan by the way that it went in the last game. But before that, he was running really well. And, of course, you'll have Ronald Jones back from injury at some point. We still don't know what we have in that. The thing about Levy on Bell, clearly Levy on Bell is a step up from those guys. He's – He's when he's at his game, he's the best running back in the NFL, um, and he's that type of running back that you need now that you can have on the field for every snap, and he can catch passes, he can line up all over the formation. Uh, he's a special talent, but he's obviously going to not settle for anything but a very large contract, or he would have played this year for the money the Steelers were going to pay him. So and he won't have played for a while. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that's a real big problem. He'll be fresh. He he won't have any more wear and tear, which is why he has done this holdout. Right. Um, but you have to decide if you think it makes sense to invest that much money in that position. And a lot of teams, I think, wouldn't do that. I don't know where we stand on that. Um, if it were me running it, I just think that's a lot of money to spend on a position where you can often get good results for a lot less. Okay. Speaking of money, uh, Taryn had asked how our new kicker's uh, money compares to what Catanzaro was getting. Yeah, even if I knew that answer, it's kind of team policy uh, not to an internally report um, – player contracts it's pretty easy to look up there's a website called spottrack.com that i always use s-p-o-t-r-a-c um, but kind of since the team kind of doesn't want to do that i don't really want to discuss player salaries yeah that's always fair i would assume it's less right yeah and we but did at this point you're paying both of them for the rest of this season you the buccaneers won't be on the hook for any dead money on cut and zaro uh in the next two years because the next two years of his contract weren't guaranteed um 
and they don't have signing bonus proration to worry about. So it won't cost the Bucks in the next two seasons the signing of Catanzaro. But right now, his his salary was guaranteed for the rest of this year. Right. So you're paying him still, plus however much you're paying the new kicker. Okay. Uh, and Christopher asked about the idea of a balanced offense. He was saying that he didn't think it mattered as much, especially to start a game, that they just need to be aggressive and try to play with the lead early on. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I would say there's some belief in that in this building. Um, you know, at certain times during the season, uh, coaches said things like, you know, if what you do well is throw the ball, then you lean on what you do well. And I think you've seen that a lot in our play calling. I understand absolutely in today's NFL and with the type of offense that we have, there's no need for us to be balanced if balance means 50-50 running it or even like closer to the NFL average of like 41% running the ball. But – Trying at least to involve, incorporate the running game early on does help you do other things. So I think it's important. And if it starts to work like it was working with Peyton Barber, it's, it's a less risky play than, than a pass most of the time. And so if you can move the ball running the ball, you want to do that. And right. if you're worried about ball control and in some games keeping the ball out of the hands of the opposing team, you want to have you want to be on the field a little bit longer then it helps. If you want to establish your play-action game, which I think we have a good one of when it's working right, you want to establish the run. So I agree to some extent what that person said. I don't remember the name. Uh, that it's not necessarily important for the Buccaneers to be balanced on offense, but I do think it is helpful if they can make the other team at least worry about the running game. Okay. Uh, and Tracy said, defense played better last week. Are any of the injuries expected to be healthy enough to come in? At this point on a Tuesday, all we'd, we'd, all we'd be doing would be speculating because Coach isn't ever going to give us details unless the guy's going on injury reserve until Wednesday's injury report. Uh, you know, I guess the, the big one during the game that was frightening was LeBron David being out for a while. I know we were all holding our breath. He did come back into the game. That's the one I'll be looking at with Quan already out. If Levante is unavailable for any period of time, that's a significant issue for the Buccaneers. But other than that, we're just going to wait till Wednesday. And Terry asked, uh, why don't they play Alan Cross a little bit more in, in the role on offense? I thought they played him quite a bit in the last game. I'd have to look up the numbers, but I remember we were up in the press box quite frequently pointing out Alan's in the game again, and they had him in. They use him even though he's listed as a tight end, he is the guy that's the fullback whenever you use a two-back set. Um, you know, they, I think they used him a decent amount for what he's good for, uh, but every time you have Allen in, you have one of your other big playmakers out. So what we've done best this year, what's worked best on offense, is putting a lot of those playmakers like your Godwins and your Jishons and, and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and Cam Brate out, out there and Adam Humphreys on the field at the same time. So I think we're using Allen a good amount. Okay, and Cody said... If Fitz gets hurt, would Griffin come in or Jameis? Um, now, did he? I'm trying to remember if Coach addressed that this particular time. You'll know the answer to that by who is active, and um, I'm pretty sure they will continue to have Jameis the number two. Uh, the issue of, of getting to Griffin at some point, getting him a look, would probably be later in the season if you have gone back to Jameis Winston at some point. But I think right now it still fits in Winston on Sunday. And, and I've, I've seen a few people asking about having Griff – it, needing to see what he's about because you have had him on the roster. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts about that? It's, it's a Dennis? decent point. It's a decent point. I don't think you do it until you are uh, no longer believing that you can turn this season around and, and make a playoff run. I, I don't see how that would make sense when you've already had two quarterbacks that have demonstrated they can put up big numbers in this. Um, the, the coaches do. Derek Cutter obviously very much likes Ryan Griffin, and in a perfect world, if you could have an extra game off to the side and let him play and find out, that would be great. I don't think that's 
a top one or two priority right now, but it could be something I get to later in the season. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks to all of you for all the thoughts, comments, and questions. We're here every Tuesday at noon, so make sure you come right back here next week for another Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite.